Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's memorial. And the gang is all here. Patrick McDonald, one of them. Patrick, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Yeah, no, the energy levels are up, Rick, after the hippo discussion um, back behind the scenes, but. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. Good to talk about Jack's plays. I want to talk a little bit about Orcas. I don't know if you guys have been seeing what's going on with them lately. With the um, Orcas? What's going on? Yeah. Give me, give me like 30 seconds. They're attacking boats off the coast of Spain, and they're teaching their young to attack boats too because I guess the matriarch, they call her White Gladys, had a run-in with a fishing line or one of the boats, and so now they're taking revenge. They've sunk three boats. Good for them. They're raging against the machine. I love so, it. So don't go on a boat on the coast of Spain. Yeah, right. How big are these boats? Cancel your yacht trip, Mark. Okay. They're, yeah. Done. <laughs> the boats are big enough. Orcas are they, they they hefty animals. Yeah. They're not they're not like cruise ships like the one uh that everyone's complaining about about that just docked here in Charleston. Uh, but I think, I mean, they're like decent sized boats. Like you, Mark said, orcas are huge. You are quite up to date on all the nautical news. I mean, I live right on the water, you know, <laughs> and the hippo, and the hippopotamical news as well. <laughs> I think we should start calling John Rom the orca because he's big. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he sinks everybody. Don't want to mess with him. Don't want to get, don't want to tread into the waters with him. Yeah. Patrick, he's a, he's, he's a monster. Patrick, while you're on boats on Twitter, there's a video of this guy. It's going viral now of the guy and his girlfriend. He's canoeing, and this huge—I uh, I guess it was probably a humpback—comes up right alongside him. I mean, right alongside him to, to touch. Looks around, splashes its tail over there, but close. He could have taken that thing out. But he was just investigating, curious, saying hello. I'll, I'll dive into that one. All right, cool. Uh, that was Mark Gibble, Kyle Porter here as well. KP, uh, good to see you. The first low energy Patrick, the first thing he said when he got on was like, I'm tired. I'm trying to cut back on coffee. What do you guys know about hippos? Those were the first three things he said <laughs> before we went hot. Why are you trying to cut down on coffee? I, I was not privy to this conversation. Why, why are you trying to cut down on coffee? Uh, just like not, not sleeping too hot lately. Oh, really? Yeah. Like so, just in um, general? 
yeah, like a lot of not going to bed like easily and then waking up like 4 a.m. And then at that, it's just like a lost cause. Are you drinking coffee too late in the day? Yeah, I think so. That's why I'm cutting back. Hmm. Yeah, I can't drink it after like noon or I'm screwed. Yeah, that's insanity. Kyle's drinking out of drinking it right. That's insane. Patrick, you're going to love me for this one. I'm not, this is not a paid commercial or endorsement. Try CBD oil in a tincture under your tongue. Okay. Also, this is not a paid endorsement. Try some of Phil's gummies and (laughs) it'll knock you out. 96 of them per round, right, Rick? Get back at least. (laughs) That's like a bag and a half and get back to us and see if that helps at all. All right. Uh, So I'll do, I'll, I'll do a bag during one of these episodes one time. I (laughs) please please do. I have found the Patrick. The older I get, the more my sleep is affected by when I eat at night. And like last night, we had friends over. It was Memorial Day. We ate kind of late. We we had a big meal, and I couldn't like I was up almost all night. It's crazy. Imagine when you get to fifty two, boss. Oh, I I will I will, like won't be able to eat at all. <laughs> Just breakfast. That's it. Patrick, do you read it like before you go to bed? Uh sometimes. Yeah. Like probably like every other night I try to. Do you have any good book recs right now? No, I, I'm I just bought uh what is it? Slow horses. They made like a TV show about it on Apple TV. About like some MI six, like the outcast bandit like the bad agents of that agency. I don't know. Someone recommended it to me. I'm, I'm kind of like into it. I'm looking. I haven't opened it yet, though. Okay. Hmm. I'm I'm finishing the uh, baseball 100 by okay. Joe Posnanski. It's very good. I want to check okay. out. So, yeah, it's it's excellent. It's it's fun too because it. Rick, I don't know about you, but since I stopped playing baseball, just my love for baseball has kind of dwindled. And it sort of has rekindled from uh, not that I'm like following baseball now, but it's it just sparked some of that joy and fervor I used to have. And it's really like fun and well written. And it's great. It's it's like 800 pages, but it reads like it's 200 pages. So it's good. Baseball truly is the beautiful game. So uh, I'd be happy to rekindle my my love for it. Um, Speaking of Orcas, we got the Orca on Mike today. He did his presser <laughs> at the memorial and it wouldn't be a podcast mark if we didn't talk about live and if we didn't talk about the Ryder Cup in this scenario though they intersect. So let me give you a little bit of background. Uh as had been reported I guess about a week ago, maybe a little bit longer, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Luke Donald informed Sergio Garcia that he had quote no chance of making the 2023 European Ryder Cup team and Sergio had resigned uh his DP World Tour membership. So this has obviously been making the rounds. I believe Josh, do we have do we have uh Rombo here? John, uh last week Sergio said that he clearly will not be on the Ryder Cup team. Luke had told him he wouldn't be. He specifically mentioned the fact that he would be missing playing with you and uh, just, you know, was disappointed by that. What's your thoughts about Sergio not being on the team? I'm going to miss him. We had a great partnership at Wesley Straits. Uh, and I'm going to mention history again one more time. You know, a Spanish duo in the Ryder Cup, I think to me, is embedded into the roots of the Ryder Cup. We will say, and Ali were able to do throughout their partnership, right? So 
It's a little sad to me that politics have gotten on the way of such a beautiful event. Uh, again, it's the best Europeans against the best Americans, period. And whatever is going on, who's playing live and who's not playing live, to me shouldn't matter. It's whoever's best suited to represent the European side. And I have a hard time to believe that the best player Europe has ever had, the most successful player Europe has had on the Ryder Cup, isn't fit to be on the team, right? So um, it's unfortunate. I will miss him. But with that said, uh, I want to be hopeful. It's a couple of Spanish guys playing really good right now. So hopefully they can join me on the team. The best Americans versus the best <laughs> Europeans. And Mark is already, is that, who is that? John Rum? Yeah. Oh, almost. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, I thought it was him. On the beard inspiration. Do you know who that actually is, Mark? That's DJ Khaled. Come on. I'm not that beyond it. Another one. Yeah. Let's go golfing. <laughs> What do, you, what do you think? What do you think about uh, old Rombo's thoughts here? A couple things. I'm not so sure Sergio would make the team right now the way he's playing. Um, with respect, uh, look, he's got a tremendous record, but I wouldn't say he's past his sell-by. But he's going to have to start showing a whole bunch of form. And look, it might be political, but these guys knew what they were signing up for. They knew the rules. They knew the the rules of engagement. When the the remember, Luke Donald wasn't the Ryder Cup captain for this go around. Until Henrik Stenson decided, no, nah, I'm going for the money at live. And he signed the contract and the DP World Tour is like, sorry, mate, this was the rules of how this thing's working. So, um, look, is it sad not to see Sergio? Sure. Were the rules stated? Absolutely. And from what I'm led to believe, talking to folks last week, um, Sergio called up Luke Donald to get a feel for the situation, to say, a hey, hey, big guy, am I going to make your team? Because if so, I'm not going to resign my DP World Tour membership. And Luke's like, not happening. So he goes, well, okay, then I'm out. So so I, I think the whole thing sort of smacks of two sides to every story, you know? Um, and, and I respect John for his opinions, but uh, I think they're far more capable young European players right now. And in the um, area where the team currently is, I think it might be a good idea to blood some of these and kind of get them some exposure and some experience for Ryder Cups to come. Let me just throw out here, KP, a couple of uh, the names that are likely to be on the European Ryder Cup team and then maybe on the bubble. So John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, obviously, 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 Terrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, there's five. Uh, they do the their points a little bit differently, but right now Victor Perez would be on the team. And then the notables, uh, quote, on the bubble would be Adrian Moronk, Yannick Paul, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose. So these are the types of names that are being considered for this team when we get to uh, Italy in September. Yeah, so I, I was actually, uh, before this, I was on like an hour and a half uh, Ryder Cup pod uh, with no line up. So I've, I've been... Uh, stuff from you. I've been deep, deep in the weeds here. I, listen, like, <clears throat> to say, I understand where Rom is coming from. Right. Because he only cares about winning the Ryder Cup and playing with his friend. And they were awesome at Whistling Straits. They were awesome. Like they were so good. And it was super fun. And they were a great pairing. And Rom really loves like the history of it. And so I understand why he's saying what he's saying. But it's not, I, I would love for somebody to explain to me how this is political. It, it's, it's a, it's a business model that the European tour has to protect, right? Like 
I, I think what everybody who and people in the comments are talking about this, like what everybody's missing here is the European tour is only solvent because of the Ryder Cup. Like that's how they fund their entire business. If the right if 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 the Ryder Cup goes away, then the European tour goes away. Like they don't have any money to continue on. They don't make money on everything else that they do, on on all the events that they host for the three years in between hosting Ryder Cups. And so I, it, it, they are, their only leverage that the European Tour has is protecting the Ryder Cup. And so if they start, if they start going down this path where they're like, oh yeah, you can, you can play anywhere in the world and, uh, and also like you don't have to, basically you don't have to be a European Tour member to be, uh, to, to play in the Ryder Cup, then it, then it, it's just it it's a complete mess. Like it completely undermines the business model that they have working. And I think that's what everybody's sort of missing. And Rom is not Rom doesn't he shouldn't care about business models and care about like what the European tour has to do to be solvent. But it does matter. And I think everybody's kind of missing that when we talk about the or when we have this conversation. So so KP, let me play devil's advocate here for a second. If the oh my light just turned off. If the European tour is so dependent on Ryder Cup money, wouldn't it behoove them to have the Ryder Cup be as competitive as possible, as frequently as possible, and the best chance of being competitive as we see in everything from high school baseball to the upper echelon of golf, being able to pull uh, select from a pool of everyone is better than being able to select from a smaller pool if you're trying to put together the most competitive team. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think to counter that, like you're giving up this one Sergio Ryder Cup appearance, right? Like that's what they're sort of kicking away. Nobody else in at Live is good enough to make the Ryder Cup team. Maybe Thomas Peters, but that's it. Westwood's not good enough. Poulter's passed playing in Ryder Cups. It's really just this one Sergio year and you're keeping you're basically leveraging what you have with the Ryder Cup to keep future players on the European tour. Right? Because if you let Sergio play as a non-Ryder Cup member or as a non-European tour member, then anybody that's coming up in Europe, your future Tommy Fleetwoods, your future Terrell Hattons, your future Shane Lowry's, they can just go to live and still come play in the Ryder Cup. So you just it, maybe I said that backwards earlier, and I probably did, but you, you, you're completely undermining your entire business because you're the one running both the tour and the Ryder Cup. Mark, we would love to hear what you had to say, but you are on mute. I knew I was going to do it. Uh, forgive me. Um, no, I just, I just wanted to say, I was just kind of pointing at Carl going, well, that is well put together. Because if it is the case, look, I think the European tour, I think this is not a based on fact or anything. It's just gut feel. Um, I think the European tour is of the tours, the one probably the most in the crosshairs of live just because live is becoming increasingly, increasingly more global. And it's a pop, it, it's an enterprising entity to, to European tourist stars. And so if you let guys just go and then come back and play Ryder Cups and stuff, as Kyle points out, they're going to go. And so I think in terms of protecting its um, selection of players, whatever you want to call it, I think, I, I think the move is, is appropriate.
there is an awkward position to be in Patrick, if you're the European tour because of, uh, right. You, you, you already have players who are trying to exit your tour to get to the PGA tour. And right. you have players that are trying to exit your tour to go to live. Yes. You'll be, you'll, you'd, I guess you'd end up becoming even more reliant on the Ryder cup because your weekly European tour stuff for three years would be worse. And I, I think a big thing here that we haven't said is Luke Donald is open to picking live players. He said it before the PGA championship. Someone asked him, you know, what should Zach do with Brooks and DJ? And he was like, Zach needs to do whatever is best for him. And remember, I have the opportunity too, because the only people who've resigned from the DP world tour and given up the opportunity to play the Ryder cup is Westwood, Bland, Poulter, Stenson, Sergio. So if he wanted to, he could pick a Thomas Peters. He could pick a Paul Casey. If you know they're flashing form on live towards that uh, time period, so there's still an opportunity there for these guys to, you know, maybe play their way onto the European Ryder Cup uh, team if Luke Donald deems you know they're playing well enough. You see, I find that curious, and that's a really good take there because again, what I, we were led to believe was that Sergio called up Luke and said, "What's the chances?" And Luke said, "Well." Not so much. And then Sergio went, proceeded to then go ahead and resign from the tour. So unless I'm missing something, which is likely, um, I, I find the whole thing kind of weird right now. I really do. Yeah. Would. Right. So Sergio is just kind of taking like Luke Donald's work. Like, like I, I, what are the benefits to Sergio resigning his DP world tour membership? Like what, I think what he does it. He, he doesn't get fined anymore. They were previously getting fined. And he was the only guy who didn't pay his $100,000 fine, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Correct. Because, oh, yeah. I, I mean, the guy who won, uh, the Spanish guy who won last week, uh, Laura Thobble, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, Thobble. yeah, I mean, he played in the first Live London event. And, I mean, he right. possibly could play his way onto the European Ryder Cup team. Like, that's one of the guys John Rahm was meant like referencing when he just spoke. The the European tour is in such a weird spot, right? Because they don't really have they're, they're like they're stuck between the PGA Tour and Live, and they're the only organization of the three that is that has like um, equity in the Ryder Cup, and so it's just this like really weird middle ground space that nobody else is in and nobody else has to make decisions on. And I mean, think about what they've done over the last 15 years of lowering and lowering and lowering the requirement, uh, the number of uh, European tour events that you had to play to be uh, basically the Rory rule of like, you only have to play six and then you only have to play four. I think it's, I think that's where it's at right now where you only have to play four European tour events to, to maintain your membership and so they've kind of done for PGA Tour guys what they won't do for live guys. And so you're like, well, that feels hypocritical. But also live is kind of trying to put a nail in their coffin as a business. And the Ryder Cup is the one piece of leverage that they have over all of these entities. The whole thing is just it really shines a light, Rick, on something that we've talked about for years, which is this idea that there's so many different powerful entities running different parts of golf. It's very different than the NFL where it's just the NFL or the NBA where it's just the NBA. You've got four, five, six, seven different entities all wrapped up in all these different uh, events and 
business models and to kind of tease them apart is is very difficult. Yeah, obviously all with different interests and things that they have to consider makes it certainly a little bit messy. And then nobody realizes that there's all those different entities and makes it even uh, more difficult. So uh, what has not been difficult is golf, Patrick, for Scotty Scheffler, because he has been, thank you, dominant. 15 events since the Worldwide Technologies Championship. That was in October. A couple of wins. All so what is that? 12 top tens. All of them are inside the top 12 and he is truly vibing right now. Truly, truly vibing. And I think during that stretch, he is like the minimum he's had uh, per tournament is like eight strokes gained. Something yeah. like that. Like the worst he's done, which is it's, it's a ridiculous stretch. And, I'll flip this question around to you guys, given his statistical profile, given how well he's been playing from tee to green. Is Scotty Scheffler underachieving at the moment? Do I go? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, he is. Did you see? I mean, I was walking along there on like the 14th hole or whatever because I had Scheffler early in the show Sunday there at uh, Fort Worth. And one of my colleagues drops the fact that he had gained 15 strokes in the field from tee to green. And he was at that stage fifth in the field. So yeah, I think it's criminally criminal the the underachievement that's going on. But I will commend him very much on the fact that he goes, look, I'm not that one to chop and change and bounce around and try new things all the time. He goes, I've been working on this with my putting for a while. It's starting to become a bit more confident. I'm seeing things kind of go in the right directions. Uh, putt's not going in right now. But then he's he's sort of pragmatic about the thing, going, hell, I had every putt I was, where I was looking. And they weren't going in. And, you know, maybe that'll happen next week or the week thereafter or whatever. Look, if we have this conversation in a few weeks' time, um, or let's say he's, he's likely to contend at the U.S. Open the way he's playing, he's where par suddenly becomes a good thing. The way he hits it, par is almost guaranteed. So if anything beyond that's a bonus. So right now I'm, I'm commending him for staying where he is. But, yes, he is under, underachieving to your question. It's hard to call it an underachievement, KP, with – a, a players, a Phoenix Open, and fifteen million dollars leading the tour <laughs> in money. Um, I, I, I get, I get it, right? He's putting himself in contention week in and week out, and quote, only two wins doesn't feel like enough. But this is still very much a historical season. It is, and you know he's lost to what ten guys at the first two majors. So, you know, you don't get trophies for that, but. You know, it feels – I was thinking about this after we got done with our podcast on Sunday night. It feels very VJ Singish, where it's like he, he can win events with a negative strokes gain putting, which is like pretty much impossible for anybody but five guys over the last 20 years, you know. And that's – but that's where he's existing at right now. Uh, is it un? What what was the word you used, Patrick? Underachieving. Yeah. It's so hard. Like what? It, the answer is yes and no, right? Because you, you, if you just look at the profile, you're like, yeah, he should win more. But also, I think we put so much into wins in at the expense of of everything else. Like he's playing extra, extraordinary golf and he's not somebody that chokes away events. He's just like 
one or two or three strokes away per tournament. He could he could have won like six times this year if he had if he had putted at all. And so I guess he's underachieving, but also he's not because he's playing at a level that is kind of getting like tiger like, which we've said about two different guys so far this year. It's true. Hey, hey, Rick, I don't know what the numbers, how they bear out, but I will say this from having watched him for ah, about 10 holes last weekend under pressure. I think his bunker play is more of a concern than what the putting is. I, I thought the bunker play was average at best for someone of his prolific skill. Now the off the tee is sensational. The iron game, he just hits it beautifully. I mean, he hits it so nicely. I made an argument on this show and to a few colleagues a few weeks ago. I'm like, right now he's the best ball striker in the world. And it's the, he has no there's no comparison with love to Ram and company like that. But out of the sand, he is just not good right now. And when you start getting to places like LA North and that sort of thing, that's going to become a deal. So he's going to have to iron that out. I think that's a big an issue, a bigger issue for Scotty Scheffler to have to uh, deal with. Not only is he the best ball, uh, ball striker in the world, he's three strokes better per tournament than the second best ball striker in the world since the end of October. Yeah. What's the bunker? Which, what's the sand numbers? Well, I I was just looking up his. This is his season sand number. His season sand numbers are bad. He's like two hundredth in sand save percentage. Um, but I don't know if that is getting better or worse. I'd have to pull it by round. Yes, the thing about that, you know, if you're looking at bunker saves, it's it's hard to call something because it's two shots. It's a sand shot and it's a putt. Right. If you're not putting well, you're going to start hitting sand shots close. But there were three occasions, and remember last week he finishes one back after the Grillo histrionics on the last hole. There were three bunker shots he had in nine holes. Every single one of them came out flat left, missed the landing spot by a few feet. And he left himself 15 feet on average out of greenside bunker shots. That the, the one was difficult. The other two were pretty routine, I thought. He has made more than Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay combined this year. And those guys are fifth and sixth on the money list. He's made more than those two combined, which is pretty yeah. tough. If if he wins, he doubles Homa, who's third. Who's third, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Trevor Trevor said this on the broadcast, but like if he won the next four events, he, he didn't say a number, but he just said if he rips off a couple in a row, you'd be like, Yeah, I mean, of course. Like this is this is sort of the way that it's that it's going. And I mean, like if he won Memorial US Open Travelers, I'd be like yeah, that's not, I mean, like, that's about how he's playing. Right. Uh, speaking of those events, I want to dive a little bit more into the schedule and what we're dealing with for this week. We obviously have our picks and our one and done selections coming up as well, but we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. We are in the midst of it here, Patrick. So this week, we've got 23 of the top 30 players in the world to elevated event, to designated event. Then we are going to go to Canada. We have the U.S. Open. Immediately after the U.S. Open is the Travelers. I, I mean, th obviously, the way what, what I'm most interested in next year is the schedule. Because remember, all of these designated events were just added after the schedule had already been released. And you can see the grind that we're in right now and the challenge that these guys are trying to figure out their schedule what events to go to what how to stay sharp it's it's no longer peaking four times a year it's like peaking 13 times a year and i'm, I'm fairly certain there's a penciled uh schedule floating around the interwebs uh i believe rex hogward hoggard 
uh, had a story about it. And this event in particular was one that got moved, I believe, to June, like late June. This is always like the week after Memorial Day weekend. Um, I have to change the name. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know what's going to happen. Jack's going to have to talk to Barbara or something. Um, Barbara? <laughs> I, to your point, it's with that new cadence where it's yeah. two or two, two, yeah. three, two, something yeah, like that. I, I found it here. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, Josh can share my screen once I once I have this up here. But yes, I have the quote sample PGA Tour schedule that is floating around from from well, I love while you pull that up. I've been booked for the RSM Classic in the fall by PGA Tour Live, so they've they've got the fall figured out already. Yes. That is that yeah. is figured out. Those dates have already been they've been selling tickets for those. So we would start with the Tournament of Champions, three full field events, then a TBD designated event, and the Pebble. Genesis. Okay, yeah, that's Pebble. Pebble. So this would be Pebble Riviera, then three full field events. That then first the full field is Mexico. Okay, this one here. Uh, and then you'd get API and players together. So here, yeah, this is that three, two, three cadence essentially throughout the summer or throughout the entire year. Memorial moves to, it would basically be a week later and would be right before the U.S. Open. So the U.S. Open a week earlier? Um, uh, when is Father's Day? It's always what? Around the middle of July. <clears throat> no, I think U.S. It's Memorial's a uh, a week back, I think. With the Open then standalone as a, they don't have a des. See, the, the the thing to do would make this you'd make the Scottish Open the designated event. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know why they never like thought about that or are thinking about that. That would make Scottish would make. Well, I Just guess because. Not- Maybe people who aren't in the open, you have to travel there, then travel back type of thing. And also, I guess what this schedule is, you'd then only have two weeks. You'd lose your two, three, two cadence, uh, or excuse me, your three, two, three, you're going to go three, one, three. The only other option would then be two, two, three, or three, two, two. There, There needs to be a, like a European summer. It needs to be Irish, Scottish open. Agreed. A European swing. Yeah. I mean, if you're like, why, why partner with the European tour if you're not going to do that? Completely agree. I mean, there's, there's a lot of other reasons to partner with the European tour, but that, that just seems like a, and listen, I get it. Like there's a billion logistical things that I'm not thinking of, but that seems like a pretty straightforward, let's get this done type thing. So, this is these little sprints that we're going to have. These three kind of non-elevated events are a way for those guys who are not already exempt into the designated events to play their way in. I think this, I think, okay. So my take on this is the like, look at the slot after the masters. I think this kind of stinks because it get like, the week after a major, I mean, even Colonial last week, it's just like you're, you're in, everybody's in such a fog from that major week that you're going to bury some of this designated stuff if you're putting it, I guess they're putting the the one around the PGA the week before the PGA. Which I like because then you get the idea. So this one's build up. you get the build up and you get, yeah. and, and same with the US Open. 
Because imagine when you get all the best players playing before a major, you get even more storylines like, oh my gosh, well, he was playing well. And next week's a major. When you yeah. get after a major, it's like a, a little bit of an, of an exhale. But the tour doesn't want to be the sort of appetizer, right? Like they don't, they don't, they don't want their events to be the spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I, I, this is the reality, but I'm just saying like that they're also making, again, this is such a weird thing. Cause you've got so many different organizations trying to incentivize to do different things. And it's so difficult to figure that out, but it would benefit. I mean, I, the, more people would watch the tour events before a major because of the lead in then, but, but, but I get what you're saying. It's like, you're the, you're, you don't want to be the dessert all the time yeah. or the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> You want to be the you want to be the the meat the, the entree the, the overcooked ticket. steak the ticket yeah yeah all right well that's interesting so that that is um again that was Rex Hoggard just kind of a sample schedule skeleton at where you can kind of see where the tour is headed now I think even with this Patrick right there's still going to be at least a couple alternate field events which are not full field event like right like actual alternate like what what about barbasol yeah barbasol they added myrtle beach which myrtle they said beach? was going to go against a designated event i wonder if that one's across from like the heritage and we just have a party in south carolina the week that after the masters be, that would make sense um but it, i'm sure it'll be an eclectic crowd there at myrtle beach if you've never been um yeah and i think those are like 300 fedex cup points and then these designated ones are did they settle on 700 I believe I don't know for, for the for those, and then I think they're still discussing whether or not some should have a cut or not, as well. Uh, John Ron was talking about that too. He he's come back to the idea that uh, these events should have a cut. So th there's still a lot to figure out as as shown on the schedule that had a lot of TBD and TBA on it. Uh, I love that. I love that we bullied them back into thinking a cut's a good idea. Oh yeah. That was a total like they were like, ah, no cut, everybody'll be fine with that. And then it was like, you jerks. You <laughs> must play with a cut. I don't care what your deal is. You're playing with a cut. And they're like, okay, maybe we'll play with a cut. Yeah. I, I mean, without it, there's just no identity to Friday. The second it, round. It uh, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. All right. Shall we make some bets, gentlemen? Shall we? We've got 23 patrick of the top 30 players in the world teeing it up this week uh so another strong field as expected we have gone over to caesar sportsbook and we have allocated our funds as follows 50 on a matchup 30 on a finishing position 10 each on two separate outrights we have a pretty diverse board that josh is going to share with everyone right now let's start with our matchups and patrick you have opted for what, please? Uh, Siwoo Kim, even money over Wells Fargo Championship winner, Wyndham Clark. Mm. Uh, Kim is like one of the most accurate drivers of the golf ball. You got to play from the fairway here. He has a great history here, 30 straight top 20 finishes, and he just contended at the Byron Nelson. Easily could have won that tournament. I know Clark just won, but I think it's not the best course fit for him. He gets a little wayward off the tee every now and again so even money for kim i will take that every single day every single day for siwoo mark you are putting one on the board for the old guys 
I am old guy. Adam Scott is looking like a young guy. He's rejuvenated. He's driving a long way. Um, he's just playing beautifully, and the confidence is high. And right now, Sung J M is surprisingly um, out of kilter. I, I he, he just doesn't seem sharp at all. I don't know what's going on, honestly. And so I'm just going with a guy who looks more like he's in form. And Adam has played well here at uh, Muirfield Village before. So sign me up for Scotty. Adam, that is. Plus 105 over Sung J. M. Patrick, you have, excuse me, Kyle, you have channeled your inner Patrick. And yes. you have faded Tom Kim with who? Uh, Shane Lowry. Playing some uh, much better golf than he was earlier in the year. Don't think this is a Tom Kim golf course. Uh, I've got Lowry over Tom Kim, minus 120. Uh, yes, you do. And I will go with Justin Suh at even money over Adam Svensson. I think Justin is finding his game right now, putting everything together. Always a very good putter, finding gains in other categories as well, which leads me to you, Mark, because mm. you also found a way to get Justin Suh on your betting card. Yeah, man, I spent some time with him in the practice round at Oak Hill. He is, he's always been a sound young player, but he's sharp, full of confidence right now. And I think uh, Justin Suh, top 40, um, I know it's his first time around here as far as memory serves, but getting him for a top 40 plus 140, I, I thought that was a steal. Uh, Vegas guy, we almost had a big Vegas week last week. Harry Hall was in the mix. Norman Zhang was leading after 54 on the Corn Ferry Tour. If, if those two would have come through, it would have been a big party at TPC Summerlin. Didn't happen. Justin Suh going to try to make up for it this time around. KP... The ultimate course horse is yours. How did you deploy him? Yeah, Patrick can't lie top 10. Uh, he's had uh, four top 10s in his last five appearances at Muirfield Village. He's playing some kind of underrated golf overall, too. I think it's getting a little bit drowned out by what Scheffler and and John Rahm have been doing. But he's been uh, he's been really solid for most of 2023. What is more likely? Because I ran into this a couple of times this week, Kyle. Uh is it more likely that you refer to Mirfield Village as Mirfield, or is it more likely that you refer to the Open Championship as the British Open? British Open for sure. Really? Yeah, I would. I would not. I would not call. I would not say that Mirfield Village is Mirfield. Those two are very, not two very different things. Yes. Would you ever refer to <laughs> so I was in an email, I was in an email uh thread with a couple of chaps from across the pond and they said, Hope you enjoyed the US PGA championship. Sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, guys. The US Masters also, like because they have the British Masters. Yeah, sure, buddy. I'm I'm fine with like the it, yeah, call, <laughs> the best line I've ever heard. I probably said this on here, but Nick Faldo was doing media availability for the for the British open uh, a couple of years ago. And he said, you know, this, this, the name of this tournament has changed so much over the years. It used to be the British open. Now it's the open at some point, it's just going to be the, <laughs> and like, it wasn't the kind of line that Faldo would usually deliver. And it was, it was hilarious. Like the way he delivered, it was really funny. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, can't lay top 10 for Kyle plus 115. I took Denny McCarthy top 20 plus 330 finished T5 here last year. Still one of the better putters on the tour and starting to figure it out from T to green as well. So Patrick, uh, you went with the only top 30 on the board. So we've got this whole thing covered top 10, top 20, top 30, top 40. Who's your top 30 folks. Those aren't booze. They're yelling. Cooch. 
Matt Kuchar, top 30, plus 140, 15 appearances here, only one missed cut. He has a win sprinkled in there, a lot of other great finishes. Uh, and he's finished top 25 in the last two Desis. So iron play is trending around the green, looks good. So I'm going to go with Cooch. You, you see, you bring up a great point because Kuchar is he's prolific around this place. But uh, KP, you said earlier, this is not a Tom Kim golf course. Cooch is significantly shorter off the tee than what uh, Tom Kim is. It's yeah. just odd that certain folks just feel comfortable around golf courses and Kuchar around. Yeah, he's, he's as reliable as the sunrise in the morning. Yeah, he's he's been good. I want to go back to uh, yours real quick, Rick. Denny McCarthy, top 20. Denny McCarthy's been, according to the Rick Run Good newsletter, awesome in Desi's, as Patrick calls him. He has. He's been one of the 10 best, uh, 12, 15 best players in Desi's so far. Yeah, he's been piling. I mean, and it's, you know, his his uh, bar and expectation is obviously lower than a lot of guys. But yeah, that's phenomenal for him. And he's got, you know, a bunch of like top 20s in the Desi's. It's crazy. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, playing great golf. Um, Breaking it in. Making yeah, making some money. Probably Denny and the Desi. Denny and a Desi. How could you how could you deny it? Outrights, two separate outrights, and we've got a pretty diverse uh squad here. Only one name that finds itself repeating. Uh I will get out of the way here. So Patrick Cantlay, uh 2.8 strokes gained or 2.7 strokes gained per round in 28 rounds at Muirfield Village. Only one golfer course combo better than that. Since the start of 2008, the answer to that is this person at Torrey Pines. Any guesses? John Rom. John Rom at Torrey Pines. That is correct. So Cantlay, 10 to Read 1, the newsletter. makes my card. <laughs> I, also, I also think we've just gone too far on Justin Thomas, 28 to 1, 30 to 1 in some places. Um I just, it, 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 he is, it's the same thing as Colin Morikawa. He hasn't been as bad as I think a lot of us want to believe just because he's not piling up trophies. And this is, this, this is too long. Let's go to you, Mark. You have the shortest odds on our Mm -hmm. and one of the longest kind of hedging my bets a little bit. Yeah. Look, the forecast for the week, goodness gracious me. It's hard to believe it's actually going to be sunshiny for, uh, for four days straight, but chief leather lips still hasn't had the say so because you know, the curse that was put on this land by one of the local, um, tribes that lived in the area that every time an event was going to be held, it was going to rain and lo and behold, every time the memorial rolls around or the president's cup, it comes down in buckets, but apparently it's firm. It's going to be fast. And so Scotty Scheffler, goodness, he's, he's going to find a way to make some putts and the way he's hitting it around that golf course. Um, I don't want to say he's automatic, but it's about time that he, that, that he finishes one. And then a decky he's won here before, He's low-key putting together a very consistent season, too. And I, I feel like he's right there in the wings. And just open disclosure, I did consider him for a long time in the uh, one-and-done. So I like Hideki as well. Chief Leather Lips. Yeah. You know about him? Uh, I'm reading his Wikipedia page right now. There is a sculpture of him in uh, Scoto Park in Dublin, Ohio. He mm-hmm. lived, actually, lived for nearly 80 years, which... In 1732 to 1810, feels like well over the uh, average life. 130 these days. If you're Bryson. Bryson. He was, and actually, he was sentenced to death. So it was not even of natural causes. He was he was executed in 1810, Chief Leatherwood. What did he do? I thought he was. I thought he was eaten by an orca. 
<laughs> no. A lot of those in Ohio. <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, in 1810, Leather Lips's brother, Roundhead, uh, a fellow chief, ordered his execution because he was condemned to death by other natives for his desire to cooperate with the white settlers. Mm. See. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he wasn't very happy about the golf course being built on prime hunting land. Uh, do you, they, uh, I don't even know if I want to tell you how they killed him. It wasn't uh, probably wasn't it wasn't pretty and probably wasn't very painless. Okay, um, Kyle, I don't have much of a transition to get us back. Get us. Some, I got nothing. Get us some. Get us some uh, winners here at the Charles. <laughs> yeah, I've got Xander. I've got Xander who has uh, five top twenties in a row at uh, at Muirfield Village, not Muirfield. And then I've got Hideki at 35 to one. I thought this was a little long for somebody who's won here, uh, who's playing decent golf. It, it, it's a little bit the JT thing of like, uh, it feels like we've gone a little bit too far with, with uh, Hideki's number here. Yes. He's actually um, striking it beautifully as of late, uh, even around those always on again, off again, neck injury concerns. Hideki 35 to one Patrick round this out with a couple of, wow, these might be two of the more popular golfers on tour right now. Yeah. Colin Morikawa 25 to one. Uh, Love it. I, th I think he's just got to get the job done. I, I dove into his numbies a little bit. He's missing left off the tee a hair more. Um, told, you. told you last and, week. And he, he's really bad with, uh, do you know his green and regulation percentage from the rough under 150 yards this year is like 45%? Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, it's it's a lot. I mean, you could obviously chip out sometimes if you're stymied or whatever it may be. But I will say I followed his round on Saturday. He missed the fairway left four times. He made bogey and missed the green all four times. I just thought it was, I don't know if it was a coincidence when I, you know, Decided would, to follow him or what? But I would say this because you and I were talking about this last week, Patrick. As far as the eye test goes, I thought he looked a little better over the weekend than what I had been seeing lately. I mean, mm -hmm. the ball seemed to be struck with more authority. So uh, maybe. maybe I was trying to lure Patrick into calling him soft or something, like he couldn't extract his ball out of the rough because mm -hmm. he's weak. I was like, I was, I was baiting him. He did not take it. Yeah. Low energy today, Rick. I'm sorry. <laughs> Any other day, you would have had me in your crosshairs. Um, and then the other one, I, I did take this bait. Ricky Fowler, 40 Ricky to 1. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He's learning. Kid's good. Uh, he's just playing great golf, and he has a great history here. I think he has like five top 25 since 2017. He shot 84 next to Tiger Woods when he won in 2012 or whatever that time was. Um, so it's his time. Only 120 players in the field. Give me Fowler. Roderick can you imagine? Can you? Yeah, he might. 12th man. Um, can you imagine anything more emasculating than shooting an 84 with Cat as he wins a tournament? Nope. Especially that shot on 16, too, when he chipped in and then just like you just eat his fist pump. <laughs> I mean, 74 is one thing. 84? Is bad. that shot, is that a top four tiger wood shot ever top four kelly that's hard chip it the bunker shot at the canadian open yeah bunker that chip the chip at 14 for par when you hold out at this place yes that was a good one. Oh goodness there were thousands it might be it might this be. is 
Oh, this is such an interesting question. Sounds like a sounds like I'd a give, book. Th- I'd give the, you a top four the, the on three PGA wooded, Tour. The three wooded St Andrews en route to the Open Championship victory. Mm, is that the one you're talking about? The thirteenth. That was unreal. Okay, so Patrick, if we remove majors, it's definitely in there. I'd say top four on PGA Tour shots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we excluding putts? Just shot? Just like full? Take the club back? No, I wasn't no, excluding putt, anything. Putts count. I mean, he has like nine putts at Bay Hill. Well, the better than most putt. The putt to get into, I know it's a major, but to force the playoff with Rocco. Um, oh, yeah. Tory Pines. What about, oh, I just had another one in my, oh, how about, I? I this is, <laughs> I don't know why this one, I don't, I, I know it's not really up there, but when he basically drove the green uh, against Stephen Ames in the nine and eight, yeah, over the trees. Yeah. Yeah, that was <laughs> that's up there cuz the moment was just like, dude. There was a, that was that was six, iconic. 16 at Durrell. This is probably before before you guys time. Guys used to hit like a 3 iron and a full wedge. He drove it over the palm trees on the corner in the middle of the green. The hole was like 400 yards. Yeah. There was one um at RTJ when they had his tournament in in the DC area where he flared his drive right and I remember screaming. I think I was in high school at the time. I was like, don't worry, buddy. We've all been there. The fans got a hoot out of it. And I, then he comes back and he hits his five wood up the hill. He cuts it probably like 50 yards. I swear it went like over Lake Manassas, trickles up like 10 feet behind the pin. It was the most disgusting shot I've seen in my life. Cut shots, Rick. Mexico. I, nice was, hole. Yeah. I was there on the call. That shot was freaking insane. The Mexico one. And yeah. I was going to say, we forgot that one. And we forgot uh, him raising the roof. In Phoenix, in before, one, yeah. before mm. there is a, 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 what is it, arena there? Yeah, yeah, the stadium. So sick. I mean, there's a the, Scratch tweeted a video today of him just hitting, uh, like uh, long iron and and three wood shots at Muirfield Village, and they're all insane. <laughs> it's like two and a half minutes long. Yeah. Uh, did we get everybody? Cantlay, Thomas, Morikawa, Fowler, Xander, Hideki, Scotty, Hideki. Now, uh, Josh gives us an extra 50 bucks in which we generally light on fire, um, but we call it our best bet. And Patrick, you, we didn't let you take the advance last week on Michael Block missing the cut. Uh, so in, in, I'm just going to give you a little hat tip instead. Yeah, that, that really helps that minus $221. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we'll, we'll get it back with another miscut. Taylor Montgomery, plus 137. He's missed a cut in four out of his last six designated events. I think the only thing going against us is there's only 120 players in this field. But he's outside the top 100 in both ball striking metrics over the last three months. Can't really fake it around this place. So uh, give me him to miss the cut. And I know two people had Justin Suh on their card. Is he a rookie technically? This year, is he uh, the rookie of the year for yeah, runner? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is he the rookie of the year front runner? Uh, let me think about that for a second. Uh, I'll okay. get out of the way here. Ryan Fox, back to back top twenties at uh, top twenty fives at both PJ Championship and Colonial. When you do when you do that back to back weeks, your game can travel top forty here plus one fifteen. KP, give us your uh, extra fifty, please. 
Yeah, Xander top 20, five in a row here. They've all been between 10 and 20, so he has no top 10s, but he has five top 20s, which is uh, kind of a weird thing. But uh, I've got him to do it again. I think he's second in this field, Rick, in ball striking over his last 20 rounds to uh, to Scheffler. So he's been great. I do not believe Justin Suh is a rookie. Really? He definitely played before. Oh, you're right, because year. he came at the same time as Wolf and Company. He was in the same graduating class. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but he hasn't been a full-time member of the tour until now, has he? Right. Yeah. That's why I wasn't sure. Maybe he's a rookie. I don't think he's a rookie. But I'm gonna keep diving. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out for you. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep diving into this. Uh no, I think you're all right. I think he is a rookie. I'll I'll look. But he's not showing up on it's a list of rookies that I'm looking at. I don't know. Um, Mark, did you go? I'm sorry. What? No, I haven't gone yet. Okay, uh, let's, let's give us your best bet. Playing beautifully, Sebez. Uh, only like four other South Africans to beat. Uh, one of them is an amateur in Aldrich Potheda. Um, Tristan Lawrence. Uh, I think it's his first memorial, and he's going to have his hair blown back. I think it's too much for him. And then, uh, and and Bez is playing nicely. Uh, he and his wife found out they're going to have a little one coming up. So. He's in good spirits, so plus 150, having to beat like five guys, I think, is uh, finally hoping to win one of these. Uh, plus 150 to be low South African. Notable rookies as far, on, on the list that I'm looking at, but I guess we got to put Justin Sun here as well. Taylor Montgomery, Thomas Dietrich, Eric Cole, Nico Echevarria. Uh, Nico's the only one who has a win. No, Taylor, what, uh, uh, Taylor Moore. No, no, he's been on tour before. How do you – How do? You, how do you qualify as a rookie? I guess would be the question because he played eleven events in twenty twenty one. I thought it was a certain number of events uh, that once you once you got past a certain number of events that qualified as your first season. But I I don't know what the distinction is officially here. So he played eleven in twenty twenty one. He played five in twenty twenty. He played seven in 2019. I think that was when he turned pro. So he was a he was an amateur for some of them. Uh, I, I think 11 is like more than enough. So I think I think technically 2021 was or 2020 2021 was probably his rookie year. I got it. Here we go. All right, a rookie, a player's rookie year is defined as the season in which he becomes a PGA Tour member and plays in 10 or more events as a member or finishes inside the top 125 on the official FedEx Cup points list, whichever occurs first. Technically speaking, Justin Suh and MJ Duffy are not rookies. They are, quote, first-year members, which a first-year member is a new member who is not eligible for PGA Tour Rookie of the Year if he has previously played in seven PGA Tour money events as a professional in any prior season. Which he did twice, I think. Right. So he is technically a first-year member, not a rookie. Gotcha. Okay. So not your rookie of the year. There's a very interesting webpage called pgatour.com slash players slash rookies that tells you who all the rookies are (laughs) that I just found for the first time. The more you know. The more you know. Leaves us with one final thing to do, gentlemen. It is our vaunted one and done selections but first we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners and we're back we are doing a little summer cleaning and we are offering uh, everything in the store 20 percent off that includes apparel drinkware accessories 
from not only the first cut pod, but pick six pod fantasy football today, everything else. The link is in the description and act fast because I'm being told that that sale only lasts until the end of May, which by the way is tomorrow. So move very, very quickly. One and done. Oh boy. Um, things have gotten tight unless your name is Patrick. Patrick, you are and Kyle and Kyle. Well, Kyle P. You could you could petition Kyle M to join change initials. Yeah, might do that. He's a nice guy. He probably probably would. Uh, Patrick, six point eight million, which is significantly off the pace. Who have you gone with this week? Thanks, Rick. Um, I'm going with Colin Morikawa. I think last week I. I was saying the lifeboats were getting ready. We're getting all the we're getting all the children and women off off the, boat the boats. Unfortunately, I am neither a woman nor child, so I'm still on the boat and I'm sinking with it quick. You no, know, you're uh, still on the boat, and the orcas are coming. Is, is the, <laughs> yeah. the problem? There. <laughs> so Jordan Spieth's first first ever miscut at Colonial did not help the cause. Um, so I'm going with Colin Morikawa because because I am. I'll tell you what, nobody else. <laughs> uh, let's do it together this week. Let's 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 go to the top of the leaderboard together. I also have uh, Colin Morikawa, Kyle Porter, KP, seven point six million. Your selection, please. Yeah, I, this feels this feels uh, like a like a Patrick uh, panic pick, a PPP, if you will. <laughs> Uh, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got Rick, the lesser Rick. Mm-hmm. We've got the greater Rick. This is the lesser Rick. Thank you. Uh, he's been playing great. He, he doesn't have any wins. He doesn't have any seconds or thirds, but, uh, he plays great at this course and he's been really solid recently. So kind of trying to steal a, a Desi here. I don't know if it'll work out, but I don't know. We'll see. Greg Ducharme, 9.3 million coming off of, uh, Brooks Kepka winning the PGA championship and, not much last week has gone with John Rom for his selection this week. Sia 10.5 million has opted for Terrell Hatton. I already said, I have Colin Morikawa, the fans mark the fans and their grubby little paws have gotten within arm's reach of you. They are 2.3 million behind and they're going with the X-Man. Yeah, Xander's a good pick around you. Golf course allows you to drive at some, and if he does have a weakness, doesn't really have a weakness, but if there's a, a fissure in the armor, I'd say the driver can get a little bulky, but you can drive it in the rough and, and play okay here. But I am concerned as it pertains to Xander, um, you know, with the greens firming up, but he's a heck of a player. Fans, I'm saving him for likely the US Open, so uh, I'm going to unsheath Xander in a little while, but that's a good pick here. Uh, Kyle M, the magic man, has firmly secured his spot in second place, has gone with Maddie Fitzpatty. That is Matt Fitzpatrick. And Mark, you are our pace setter. You are at 15.3 million and you have opted for whom? Ricky Fowler. Yeah, I was between Hideki, Marikawa, Sahith Thigala, and Ricky. And then I kind of looked at those. I'm like, hmm, I'm going to use Sahith in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Hideki, I was sort of a little unsure about, although I really like him around you. Adam Scott peeked into my attention some. And Colin, where's Colin? Colin showed me a little something last week because he was sort of my first choice around here. 
I'm still not completely convinced. So Ricky's playing nicely. As Kyle points out, a couple of runners up here, a few top 15s, and the game's been sound. I think he's he's ninth in scoring for the year. So uh, I feel like Ricky keeps on gaining momentum and has a good finish. For our audio-only listeners, here we go. Mark, 15.3 million. Ricky Fowler, Kyle M, 13.8. Matt Fitzpatrick, the fans, 13. Xander Shoffley, Rick, 12.7. Colin Morikawa, Sia, 10.5. Terrell Hatton, Greg, 9.3. John Rom, Kyle Porter, 7.6. Ricky Fowler, Patrick, 6.8. Colin Morikawa. I have a list of the most recent uh, rookie winners in the FedEx Cup era. A little, uh, little one-off trivia competition. These guys who won as a rookie. Would you like to take any stabs out of here? Just like a golf tournament? Matt Wolf. Matt Wolf, 2019 3M Open. Too slow, Patrick. Mark Colin Howell. Morikawa. Colin Morikawa, 2019 Barracuda. Uh, Chesson uh, Hadley. Oh, boy. How far back are you going to make me scroll here? Yes, 2014 Puerto Rico Open. Sungjae? Don't think so. No. Did Rory? Quail Hollow, was he a rookie? 2010 Wells Fargo Championship, Rory McElroy. I'm sure Ryan won as a rookie as well, didn't he? Ricky did. Uh, Ricky did not. Really? Not according to the PGA Tour. Rom okay. Did, did Ron? No. Okay. I think Paul in the uh, chat's correct. Russell Henley. Russell yeah. Henley. First event on tour. 2013 that, Sony Open. Oh, Grillo then? Emiliano Grillo, 2015 Fortinet. Yeah, thanks for that one, Mark. Mark, you're missing a recent South African. Oh, of course. I think Xander did. Xander did it twice. A recent South South Greenbrier. Tour championship, right? Greenbrier. No, I, I, yeah. In China, right? Uh, Greenbrier and Tour Championship, I believe China was the next year. Okay. I'm drawing a complete blank on the South African. Oh. Changed. Oh, uh, Higa. Name Garrett Higa. Eric. I freaking called it at Congaree. She was, I was there. That's, that's I'm blanking. Uh, producer Josh says Jordan Spieth. He is correct. 2013 John Deere classic. Bladed one off the pin. They all count. They all was bladed. What about it Bryce? Was, it was blade adjacent. <laughs> Bryson DeChambeau, not on the list. Hmm. Dustin Johnson, John Deere boy. Dustin Johnson that one is he's won every one every year on tour basically. Yeah. Play. Okay. How about this one? Do you, Brooks? This is the real. This is the real trivia question. Where was Dustin Johnson's first win? Eighty four lumber. Stone Stonebridge. Uh, Fries.com. <laughs> Kyle's kind of close. Stone Briar. Stone. <laughs> it's Stonehenge. <laughs> Turning, St uh, turning stone turning stone oh yeah up in the north indian reservation in upstate new york which we used to drive through when we were 18 so we could gamble yeah that's why i thought it was 84 lumber remember that event yeah i do yeah colon. and yeah exactly uh, uh, uh brooks brooks won his rookie year no i didn't no i i mean i'm just i don't know i'm just going off the list here officially i think not officially hmm. <laughs> interesting i can blame this is just the tours list so here are the most recent uh, 2023, we had one Nico Echevarria, Tom Kim, oh, yeah. Chad Ramey, Garrick Higo, Congaree. Victor, 
Colin and Matt Wolf were all right in a row. So those where did, are the most, where did Victor win? Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Oh, right. So then those are the most recent. Then you get like Martin Trainer, Adam Long, Cam Champ, Aaron Wise, Satoshi Kadaira, et cetera, et cetera. Cam Champ. There you go. All right. Anything else? No, sir. We've really just covered the we, we ran the gamut today. Proud, proud of this one. Big thanks, producer Josh, doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Patrick McDonald available on Twitter at amateur status. Mark at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.